welcome to the sixth episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me, as always, is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So it's earnings season, and Verizon and AT&T just announced last week. I thought we could talk a little bit about each carrier's uh, earning report and go through what we thought were interesting. So to start, Verizon announced first. They announced a relatively flat quarter, 283,000 net ads, so new customers uh, mm -hmm. in the quarter compared to 444,000 customers last year. Generally speaking, it seemed like a pretty flat release. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, how they performed this quarter? Well, I think you know when when you look at the overall numbers, they were pretty flat. But the the interesting thing here is that again, Verizon Business brought home the bacon. They're about what sixteen twenty percent of the wireless base for Verizon, and they brought in half of the net ads. So you really have to give Tammy Irving a lot of credit here of saving saving that quarter for Verizon. So the other thing I thought was notable uh, was that their average revenue per user did go up a little bit. So, you know, as you know, they announced new plans this quarter, and there was some talk of how folks were upgrading to unlimited plans. Part of that is, you know, to get 5G service, you need to be on the newer unlimited plans. And they had mentioned on the call that a number of folks had uh, upgraded to the premium unlimited plan. So I think it was 25% of the folks on uh, in their customer base had upgraded to a yeah. premium unlimited plan. Yeah, I, I think, you know, just before the call, they announced during the, AT, uh, the Apple event, which was like complete Verizon love fest, that they were launching DSS for 5G. Before that, I don't think anybody or you can, you know, you can put them in a, in a small stadium, signed up for 5G with Verizon. And if they did, they could be probably barely find it. Now they have nation or 200 million plus coverage. So they're now on par with uh, with T-Mobile and AT&T when it comes to 5G uh, coverage. And they have the elder wideband in 55 markets and fiber to the, uh, or the 5G to the home in, in eight cities. So for me, it was a, yeah, a, a decidedly lukewarm quarter. And you saw that because the day after, or the day they announced, their stock price went down by like 5%. There was some upside on the wireline side with, with Fire's internet having the highest activations in four years with 139,000 ads. Not really that much to write home about, right? But I think some of the things that were not announced is that they, what I think will make a difference for them is CPRS. And they won, what, in the biggest markets, 37 megahertz. That's roughly what T-Mobile has uh, in the low band as well. So it will really help Verizon to have a shot at the the best network, even though that they ran down the accolades of, you know, best network. Right. So that CB CBRS band is going to give them a little bit more breathing room in terms of 5G, right? So they'll have a little bit more capacity. It's It's empty spectrum right now. 
right? Well, it's so, 4G. It is 4G. There is no 5G CBRS equipment. CBRS is 4G. But that doesn't make a difference because 4G and 5G is 10% difference using the same amount of spectrum. So the reason why 5G is so much faster is because you put more spectrum behind it. But on the equal number, equal amount of spectrum, it doesn't matter. And so it doesn't really matter right now that CBRS is only 4G, but, you know, it doesn't make the same headlines. Oh, you could move customers off of your shared spectrum onto 4G-only spectrum with CBRS and, and net out to have more 5G-available spectrum, correct? Yeah, well, the 5G right now is dynamic spectrum sharing. So it's basically an even trade. And it doesn't matter if your customer, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't matter if your customer has 4G or 5G or spectral. It runs on the same spectrum. So this just gives them a new amount of spectrum that customers can use. And they, they will look like, oh, my God, how fast this is. This is probably 200 megabits per second or 300 megabits per second. So it's probably like five, six times faster than what they have. But it's because it's empty spectrum. They also mentioned that they had deployed five times as many base stations in 2020 as they had in 2019. So it sounds like they're really ramping up that 5G deployment, I think, which is also good. but. I think, generally speaking, my impression was that it was a, an okay quarter. They certainly didn't knock it out of the park, and they, they certainly didn't strike out. Yeah, and, you know, at the beginning of a deployment, knowing how, you know, I don't want to knock Verizon too much. For the ultra-wideband, you know, when your coverage of with ultra-wideband with millimeter wave is 200 or 300 uh, yards, then... And you have like a sprinkle here and there. It's very easy to have five times more, right? They maybe had 500 or a thousand millimeter wave antenna. Now they have 5,000. Congratulations. We're not talking about really big numbers. Okay. Well, so that's Verizon. Like I said, I think so so results, not terrible, not fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about ATT. So I was really shocked by the ATT numbers, I thought they were stunning. They came out uh, with a top-line postpaid phone net ads number of 645,000. The consensus on the street was roughly about 150,000. So everybody, I think, was pretty surprised in terms of when these numbers came out. Can you talk a little bit or break down a little bit? Kind of how did they get from you know 150,000 that everybody kind of thought they were going to come in with, or somewhere thereabouts, all the way up to 645,000? Yeah, they, well, first of all, they made Wall Street really look bad. And when, when, whenever you read like Wall Street channel checks or like these guidance, it's usually the company telling the analysts of what they think they will have. And then the analysts parroting back that number plus minus a certain percentage based on their analysis, right? So that number was way, way off. But when we look at the 645,000 post net ads, one thing that jumps out second is the really spectacular postpaid phone churn that went down to 0.69%. That is the that's basically dot on the Verizon number. That's a decline of year over year decline of 0.15%. That represents 283,000 net ads. Right, 
big chunk. That's about, it's almost half of, of that. Then you had in that number still 151,000 Keep America Connected people who actually shouldn't be there. So that gave you 151,000. Now we're down to about 211. They had 200,000 FirstNet subscribers. So maybe half of them were phone. So now we're down to about 100,000 net ads. Because also the interesting thing is when you compare the postpaid phone gross ad year over year, that number went down from 2.1 million to 1.95 million. So I think the big credit for this really eye-popping number is really churn management. They really did extremely well here. And FirstNet is, is chucking along again. So that's that's a good thing. Well, it also sounds like they're willing to be more aggressive in terms of iPhone promotions, right? So I think part of what I took away from all the different carriers' offers around iPhone 12 was that AT&T was willing to be a little more aggressive in terms of providing a deal that would not only apply to uh, new customers, but also existing customers, right? So uh, when you think about kind of what they've done with churn reduction, in this prior quarter, and then the offers are going to market with iPhone 12 around, it all kind of makes sense, right? It seems like there's more focus on reducing those folks that are, you know, walking out yeah, the door. But, not, but none of these numbers were iPhone related. The iPhone was announced in the fourth quarter, and this was third quarter numbers. Absolutely. But from a strategy perspective. Yeah, from a strategy return, perspective, absolutely. They're providing offers that are going to, you know, presumably help keep those iPhone folks at AT&T. Right, yes. which, which means we would expect to see probably some increased churn based on folks moving around for iPhone, but, but they're looking pretty aggressive relative to their offers yeah. right now. And the other thing that, that we saw was the equipment sales numbers for AT&T were up and for Verizon, they were down, right? And year over year again. But the other thing that was, I think... What a lot of people missed was John Stanky's comments about broadening distribution. The online channel seems to pick up a lot more for AT&T than, for example, for Verizon. So that's a quite interesting thing. But, you know, you can't have it all. The EBITDA margin went down by 0.2%. You know, prepaid, by the way, was, was pretty strong, too. They added 131,000 phones and 114,000 devices, and their their churn is below 3%. That's, again, highly respectable churn figures, because if the churn would be 4%, these net ad numbers would be zero or negative. Right. So the other thing I thought was interesting was uh, what they had said about their debt structure, right? So they've done a lot of refinancing this year. Uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of where, where that puts them in terms of their ability to, for example, build out fiber or bid on the C-band auction? Well, AT&T refinanced $60 billion in debt. And their average maturity went from 13 years to 17 years. And like the debt, uh, we saw it, for example, also by, by T-Mobile. They're refinancing debt that's coming down in the next five years to 10, 20, 30, 40 years. 
and are getting a lower interest rate than they had now. And that gives them a tremendous amount of financial leeway and cash flow in the short run. For example, for AT&T, their maturity for 2020 went down from $11 billion to 2.3. And for 2021, from again, 11 to 2.8. So that's like $20 billion that they pushed out whenever John Stanky's grandchildren will be... <laughs> will be running the company right? well, at a lower rate as well. At a lower right. rate. So it's like 20, 30, 40 years out now. And that gives them so much flexibility to do this in the short run. And you see it because the AT&T's cash balance is up to $10 billion. Verizon's cash balance is up to $9 billion. So this is a massive, massive liquidity event that gives them opportunity to invest in the short run without having to actually raise debt because the things that they wanted to spend, they they did. And now I don't know if they can raise more debt, but even if, you know, with these record low numbers, even if they're, they're debt rating, you know, they might be able to raise more debt, something that a lot of people think is impossible. And with that, they have suddenly a lot more flexibility to to do many things. But so, in terms of reinvesting in the business, uh, Stanky talked a lot about fiber, right? They gained yes. three hundred fifty-seven thousand fiber customers this quarter, and he talked about how they really haven't fully saturated in, within their footprint. Can you talk a little bit about kind of their approach to fiber, or you know, what, what do we think about those gains in the fiber connections? Well, AT and T is finally doubling down on fiber. And they increased their penetration, fiber penetration, by like 5% over the last a little bit more than a year. So they're really focusing on that. They're also, similar to Verizon, are doing multi-purpose fiber runs. So on the same fiber that goes to the base station, goes now also to consumers and to businesses and all of that. This was not always the case. You know, I remember when AT&T did the first fiber to the premise, and there was a pretty hard line between wireless and wireline. Even though in the neighborhood was fiber to the curb, the fiber didn't go to the cell site. And now they they are much more enlightened and and efficient by doing this. But fiber is basically the backbone on all of this this runs, right? And so. Everybody is investing in fiber. Right. And Stanky essentially said that the lines between wireless and wireline with respect to fiber have effectively blurred to this yes, point, right? It's gone. So. It's, it doesn't matter what it is. And we saw the same thing for, for both companies. I think when we look, and probably in two weeks or so, we'll talk about T-Mobile. That's one of the critical differences between AT&T Verizon and T-Mobile is T-Mobile doesn't have its own fiber footprint. So they buy from everybody, which has its advantages and disadvantages, right? All right. All right. Well, I think that's all we have time for. Uh, we'll definitely be following up uh, when T-Mobile reports, but definitely a lot of food for thought this week. And we'll circle back once we've had everybody's numbers in with a chance to kind of reflect on who did best this quarter. Thanks, Roger. Thank you, Don. All right. Bye.